You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, kitties, and welcome to my world. I would come over and say hello to you, but it's just as easy for you to come to me. Yes, yes, come in. You've come to the right place. This is where you'll learn everything there is to know about your furry feline friends. I'm talking about cats. Yes, I know. We are positively perfect pets. What do you mean I have attitude? Why, of course I do. I'm a cat. It's called Catitude. As I was saying, this show is all about cats. Cats and, um, oh yes, uh, cats. So let me introduce you to my accomplice, I mean assistant and host of Catitude, Tom Doc. Okay, Tom, tell them how wonderful we cats are. It's okay, you have my permission. Hello to all the cat lovers out there. This is Tom Doc on the Catitude channel at PetLifeRadio.com. I am so glad that you've stopped back with us today. You know, it's been a few weeks, uh, maybe even a month or so, since we've had a show ready to go, and I do apologize for that. It just seems like, as with everything, life just sometimes gets in the way. You know, with uh, doing things for the Veterinary News Network and, of course, our website at PetDocsOnCall.com, where we're answering questions, pet owner questions, about cats and dogs and There's even some good horse questions up there and some good bird questions. Just all sorts of interesting things going on. And we've got a new project going on as well. It's called the American Society of Veterinary Journalists. And what's so exciting about this new society is that it's going to be something that you can look at and news producers and news directors can look at and know that you're getting trustworthy information. We've talked many times on this show about how the internet is not always the best place to get information because you really don't know who you're talking to or or who's writing this. Are they a veterinarian? Are they not a veterinarian? And um, there's been recent stories in the news, we'll talk about it a little bit later, about a guy who was actually posing as a veterinarian for many years. And so there needs to be some sort of way that we can go ahead and credential and certify folks who are providing you with animal health information. And that's what the American Society of Veterinary Journalism is going to do. You can read more about them at www.asvj.org. That's asvj.org, American Society of Veterinary Journalists. And uh, we just started taking applications, and you'll be happy to know that yours truly, Mr. Doc here. I am now a certified veterinary journalist. I have passed the board exam. And we've got about five other veterinarians across the United States right now. It's only We've only been taking applications for about two or three weeks. We do have about 20 in line uh, to take the test and submit their media submissions. And so we're really excited about this, and it's going to be a great thing for veterinarians and it's going to be a great thing for you the pet owning public because you'll be able to trust the information that you're getting on the internet on the airwaves when you're reading a paper or magazine anything like that so uh what are we going to do today well we're going to take a little bit of a step back Normally, my format is to talk about a certain breed or breeds, you know, related breeds like we've been doing in the past 20 shows, talk about certain health issues with those breeds and the history and how the breed came about and all that kind of stuff, and then talk about a pet wellness type story from the Veterinary News Network. Well, 
since it's been a little while since I've done a show and I need a little bit more time to prepare for some of these less common cat breeds, the breeds that aren't recognized by the CFA, I thought we'd take a little bit of time today and just talk about different cat stories that are in the news. I can give you my opinion. You know, unfortunately, this is not a call-in type show, so you can't call me and tell me I'm wrong. But, you know, certainly you do have the ability to email me at tom at petliferadio.com if you have a comment or something you'd like to hear about. You can also check out my blog at petdocsoncall.com. Just look for the blogs and look for the mind of Tomcat. And you'll be able to see some of the things I've talked about. And we'll talk about some of these stories and how we've blogged on those and how social media is working to spread these stories around the internet as well. So, let's take our very first break and talk with our sponsors. Before we do that, I always try to give you a trivia question. And this one's going to be a little bit easy, uh, but probably what you want to do is maybe look back at one of my other shows and you'll probably get the answer to this. We all know how important microchips are to making sure our pets get back home safely, but do you know how many cats are microchipped versus how many dogs, and exactly how it breaks down? If your dog is microchipped, what's his percentage of getting home? My question to you is, if you have a cat and it's not microchipped, how many of those cats actually get back to their owners when they're lost. So think about that as we go into this break. We need to talk with our sponsors real quick and I will talk with you on the other side. We'll be right back. Ooh, do I hear a can being opened? I believe I smell tuna. Catitude will return after these messages. That should give me enough time to investigate what's going on in the kitchen. Don't have a hissy fit. We'll be right back. Love cleaning the litter box, said no one ever. Luckily, there's World's Best Cat Litter, the litter that promises less mess with less litter. Only World's Best Cat Litter uses the concentrated power of corn to quickly trap odors in tight clumps. And quick clumping means you never have to chisel or scrape the box. Less cleanup with less wasted litter? That's a litter bit amazing. Save $2 on World's Best Cat Litter. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com How dare they open a can of tuna and make a sandwich out of it? I can see why some of my celebrity pals prefer lasagna. Well, anyway, I did manage to grab myself the canary while I was in there. Quiet, bird. We're going to hear the rest of my show, Catitude. If you behave, I may not eat you. Until later. <laughs> okay, Tom, you may continue. And we are back on the Catitude channel at PetLifeRadio.com. And once again, this is Tom, your host. And we just had a little bit of a trivia question, basically asking if your cat's not microchipped, what's the chances that he's going to get home from a shelter if he runs away? And unfortunately, chances are not very good. Although about one in five dogs uh, actually end up making it home from the shelter. Actually, I think it's much higher than that. Microchip dogs actually gets up around 60%. But cats, unfortunately, only about one in 20. So only about 5% ever make it back home simply because most people don't microchip their cats. And that is going to lead me right into our very first story that I wanted to talk about today. And that story is out of Seattle, out of actually Everett, Washington. 
and it was reported on King 5 out there, which is one of the big television stations out there. And basically, your background here is that you've got a family with uh, two cats. One is 15-year-old Atalanta, and then a younger cat, Fizzgig. And this family allowed their cats to roam outdoors. This family also has a two-year-old toddler at home. The family lives right next door to a police substation. Well, evidently, the police have had some problems with stray cats wandering the, the station's area, getting up on the motorcycles, actually urinating on the motorcycle seats. So you can imagine if you're a motorcycle cop and you're driving along and all of a sudden, you know, the seat's getting warm and all of a sudden this urine smell starts coming back. It can't be very pleasant. So the police obviously wanted to do something about the stray cats that were running in that area and the sergeant of that uh, precinct said that they would have up to five or six cats wandering around the area at any one time so they started trapping the cats and taking it to the local shelter and evidently atalanta who is the 15 year old cat that was owned by this family that lived next door got trapped and was taken to the shelter and a few days later fizzgig which is the younger cat also got trapped and taken to the shelter Long story short is the veterinarian at the shelter looked at Atalanta and decided for whatever reason, the news report doesn't tell us, that the cat was not healthy and it appeared to be old. So uh, after the three-day period of, of waiting to see if anybody would claim this cat, the cat was euthanized. And um, then the family had put out some ads on Craigslist and one of the shelter employees noticed that the Craigslist ad matched the cat that they still had there, which of course was the second cat, Fizzgig. And they called the owner and said, hey, we've got your cat Fizzgig here. Well, then they find out that they euthanized the other cat. And of course, you know, this is a very sad situation because the owners, you know, obviously did not ready to let go of this cat. And of course, when they interviewed on the video, the mom was like, you know, I don't know what to tell my little boy. He keeps asking for his kitty and he's, I just don't know what to tell him anymore. And so, as I said, the news report seemed to want to kind of blame the police and even blame the shelter. And, um, I'm not really sure I agree with that. In fact, um, you can go to our blog at PetDocsOnCall.com and click the blog button and you'll see my listing of blogs there from the mind of Tomcat and I've actually reported on the story. You can see the video and, and read the story yourself and, and form your own opinion, of course. But here's the deal. You know, you've got cats that you let wander outdoors and, you know, I'm certainly not opposed to that. My cats have always wandered outdoors when I've had numerous cats in the past. Now, Vulcan, my indoor kitty now, he stays inside all the time and doesn't go out, but I'm not opposed to people letting their cats wander outdoors, but you need to be responsible for them. You know, if that responsibility means you need to microchip them or have a tag on them, and you need to be aware of what they're doing when they're wandering. In other words, are they tearing up your neighbor's garden? Are they urinating on police motorcycles. Now, we don't know if Atalanta and Fizzgig did that, but certainly cats had done that and that was a problem in the past and that's what prompted the police and the shelter's response. Now, of course, uh, the family being very distraught thinks that the shelter needs to change their policies, they need to have a longer waiting period. But the thing is, they do have a longer waiting period. Actually, the um, shelter allows healthy animals, adoptable animals, uh, are actually given 10 days instead of just the, the mandatory three, which is what the state says. And I'm not really sure that this family reacted as quickly as they probably should. And we've talked about this on my past programs. You've heard it from me. 
If your pet is lost, don't wait. You need to start acting now. You need to contact helpmefindmypet.com. You need to contact the shelters and the veterinarians. Put up your posters of a lost cat and everything like that because the faster you do that, the better the chances are that you're going to get your kitty back home. And that certainly would have helped in this case. And of course, having some sort of identification, whether it's a collar and a microchip or a collar or a microchip, you need to have identification on your cat so that your cat can get back home to you. This is a huge thing. Now, we do feel very sorry for this family, but like I said in my blog, I think they really failed this kitty, and that's a, a sad, sad case. Let's move on to something even a little bit more controversial. How many of you heard about this? A judge out in Southern California has now said that the city of Los Angeles cannot promote or fund any trap, neuter, and return programs in that area. And of course, if you don't remember, trap, neuter, and return are programs that are set up by groups like Alley Cat Allies, which can be found at alleycat.org, and uh, different feral groups that are out there, and they take care of these feral kitties. They maintain the colonies of these kitties, and they'll set traps, they'll trap the cat, take it to a participating veterinarian who will then spay or neuter the cat, vaccinate the cat for rabies, and then the cats are returned to their same territory and the theory is that of course by neutering more and more of these animals they were going to cut the population down whether that's working or not is a very debatable and controversial subject but certainly um, we can talk about that on a future show what i want to tell you about right now is just what this judge has done and he said that basically even the shelter employees can't recommend tnr to people who are coming in now he doesn't stop private citizens from doing TNR. So it's not that TNR cannot continue in this area. The city just can't fund it at this point in time. Now, how did this all come about, you might be asking? Well, as you might be aware, there's several groups, um, including the Audubon Society and the American Bird Conservancy, who really don't like the fact that these feral cat colonies are maintained because they believe that these cats are killing hundreds of millions of songbirds every year. And again, the science is kind of shaky there. I'm not real sure that they've got their numbers right and their accounting right. But we do know that birds will kill small mammals and lizards and, and birds and other little creatures. Um, although it seems that well-fed colony cats don't do as much hunting. I don't know how true that is or not. But basically, the Bird Conservancy has said um, they asked the judge to do this, and the judge agreed and said that it was a not an appropriate use of city funds. Given the economic climate also, I bet that probably figured into his ruling a little bit as well. But you can read more about these kind of things at alleycat.org. If you want to read about the Bird Conservancy's side, you can go to abcbirds.org and read what they have to say. As well, there's another group called Fix Nation, and as you can probably determine, Fix Nation uh, believes in TNR, and they think that um, the judge should overrule this. In fact, I think they are bringing suit to appeal this particular uh, ruling of this judge. And they're also asking private citizens to go ahead and do TNR and you know sign petitions. So if you are believing in TNR and that LA should continue this, you can go to fixnation.org and sign their little petition. So a lot of controversy there. We talked about feral cats in the last show and you know a lot of science, I think a lot is just that we don't understand 
what all is going on in these feral cat colonies and what it boils down to is a well-maintained colony a colony that has active volunteers that goes out on a daily basis to check the health of this colony to feed them to make sure that wild animals aren't getting into like raccoons aren't getting into their food um, and that there's no new immigrants coming into the colony so that uh, you make sure everybody's fade neutered I think these colonies do exist and they are doing a great job and they're minimizing the impact that these uh, animals have on the wildlife around them. However, we are all human and I think that the success of these colonies boils down to the human commitment and the human concern for these animals. It's all nice to, uh, to say that you believe these cats should have the right to live and live outdoors and, and not be euthanized and, and all that kind of stuff, but if you aren't going to make the commitment to it, in other words, to take care of one of these colonies and devote your time and resources to this kind of thing, then, then there's a little problem. And there's lots of examples of that too. In fact, um, a lot of these groups that oppose TNR will have lots of video on poorly maintained colonies where the food isn't there routinely, or it's spilled, or it's moldy. Uh, water buckets aren't filled routinely um, and obviously they have no control over how many cats are immigrating or emigrating from the area so very controversial subject that has to affect our feline friends and uh, it's something you should weigh in on you know let people know uh, your side of it go to fixnation.org and sign the petition or go to the bird conservancy if you think that um, they're on the right side but definitely read more about it so that you can know what's going on we're going to take a break in just a couple of minutes, but I do want to tell you there are some things going on around the country that are going to affect you again, especially if you let your cat outdoors. Not only, you know, is a possibility they might get picked up by animal control like our first story, but also rabies is still a big deal. We've talked many times about how we are now changing vaccine protocols where animals don't have to be vaccinated as much. But what has happened along with the economic climate that we have right now, people are deciding they just don't want to vaccinate their pets. They don't want to spend the money. And what happens is you're starting to run into some animals now that are closer to us that are becoming rabid. There's a story out of Georgia of a cat um, who became rabid, a puppy. Uh, out of Texas recently where 40 people had to undergo the prophylactic treatment for rabies. So, you know, we definitely need to continue to vaccinate our cats and I highly recommend you follow your veterinarian's guidelines. Most veterinarians are on a three-year program right now where you only vaccinate your cat once every three years. You get that kitten booster, booster at one year, and then every three years after that. And you just have to follow your state guidelines. So please, vaccinate. There's a lot of rabies in raccoons in Central Park in, in New York City right now. They've had more than 26 cases, which is about eight times the amount that they had for the previous eight years altogether. There were only three cases up until November of 2009. And in the last three months, there's been 26 cases of rabid raccoons. So again, here's something that's so vitally important that our pets, our dogs and our cats, are a barrier species to help keep rabies from us. So we need to keep them vaccinated, keep them up to date, and make sure you follow your veterinarian's recommendations. Okay, enough of that serious stuff. We're going to have a couple of uh, controversial topics when we come back after our break. You'll want to know what has West Hollywood, California done now. And when you give money, 
to the Humane Society of the United States. Where does that money go? I'm going to let you know about both of these topics when we come back after these words from our sponsors. Ooh, do I hear a can being opened? I believe I smell tuna. Catitude will return after these messages. That should give me enough time to investigate what's going on in the kitchen. Don't have a hissy fit. We'll be right back. Molly, here's your dinner. (coughs) Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. How dare they open a can of tuna and make a sandwich out of it. I can see why some of my celebrity pals prefer lasagna. Well, anyway, I did manage to grab myself the canary while I was in there. Quiet, bird. We're going to hear the rest of my show, Catitude. If you behave... I may not eat you until later. Hmm. Okay, Tom, you may continue. Okay, and we are back for the second half of our time that we get here at Pet Life Radio. You are listening to the Catitude Channel with your host, Tom Doc. And as I said, we kind of strayed away from our normal format this time. We are actually just talking about some cat stories that are making the news around the nation. And so far today, we've talked about how a family cat was euthanized in Seattle and the trap, neuter, and return debate in Los Angeles, and as well as why it's still so vitally important that you vaccinate your cat for rabies. Okay, last two things, and again, here's a lot of controversy with these subjects, and since we don't have a call-in segment here, if you have opinions you'd like to let me know about, please email me at tom at petliferadio.com or you can visit our site petdocsoncall.com and you can find a lot of these stories listed in our forums. We also blog about them and I think you'll find um, that it's a very fun community, one, because you get to ask veterinarians questions and two, we want to hear from you. We want to see your pictures. We want to know about your pets. And so come on over to PetDocsOnCall.com and you can also comment on these stories when you find them there. So let's talk about West Hollywood, California. You may remember that West Hollywood is one of the first cities in the nation to go ahead and they banned the declawing of cats within their city limits. It was overturned by a judge, which was then overturned on appeal, so they are still grandfathered in and they are allowed to ban this medical procedure within their city limits. And of course, at the beginning of this year, the state of California has said that no local municipality can do anything like that anymore. And so at the end of the year, there's a big rush. And I think about five or six other cities also joined this uh, banning declaw 
procedures within their city limits. And we'll talk about that in, in the future. But what I want to talk about is what they've done now. And this has just happened within the last week. They have actually created a city ordinance where pet stores absolutely cannot sell puppies or kittens. And the reason they do this or have done this, and I completely understand, is they're trying to minimize the puppy mill trade. Uh, puppies and kittens coming from breeders who do nothing more than breed for profit and they don't care about their animals. And we all know about the puppy mill stories. There's lots of them in the news constantly. But I'm a little concerned about how this all has come about and, and what's happening because they banned the sale of puppies and kittens, but what they didn't do was you can still go into a pet store and you can still adopt or rescue an animal from a shelter. And there's a big, big movement right now. And the movement says, you know, don't shop, adopt. And I believe in that. I mean, my dog is a rescue and I've worked in animal shelters and I've worked with rescues and I firmly believe that there are a lot of animals out there who are needing homes. They need their forever homes. But, you know, is it fair to single out one group of people who may or may not be doing something wrong? I just don't know that, you know, more government interference in, in what we are doing, and I'm going to get political here. I don't want to turn you off on that, but I just don't believe that, one, we have the resources to enforce a lot of this stuff. And, and two, it just, people are going to find a way around it obviously they're gonna instead of being you know high haven cattery and they can't sell their kittens in west hollywood california anymore one they're just going to go elsewhere to sell so that's not going to stop them but two maybe they turn into high haven cattery and cat rescue and so then they can put their kittens into west hollywood pet stores because they are rescue cats and they're going to be adopted versus being sold you know it's it's kind of a distinction without a difference i guess and um I just don't know. I think that um, a lot of these folks who try to make these laws, you know, we've talked about mandatory spay neuter laws before and things like that, have their heart in the right place. They just don't think about the unintended consequences of what happens later. That's my opinion. Let me know. Let me know what you think at uh, Tom at PetLifeRadio.com. I'd love to know a uh, different side of the story, but I just don't know that this was the best way. It's a step. It's a step, but um, I think there's probably some better ways that we could change and um, get rid of, of these terrible puppy mills and people who are, are breeding kittens and cats uh, just solely for profit. All right, moving on. Our final thing we're going to talk today of the Humane Society of the United States. First of all, I'm going to tell you right up front, I'm not a big fan of them. I think that they have done some great work in the past. I think, again, there's a lot of people who are trying to do the right thing for animals but there's a lot of folks in their leadership who don't know what they're doing and who I think have a lot of motives that you may not be happy with. And why am I bringing this up? Well, I'm bringing this up because the Center for Consumer Freedom has recently put out an article looking at the Humane Society of the United States tax forms from 2008. And during that year, the Humane Society brought in approximately $100 million, let's just say $100 million in donations. The unfortunate thing about this is that most people who donate to the Humane Society of the United States believe that their money is going to help animals. Unfortunately, that's not happening. Less than one half of 1% of that money 
So 1% would be $1 million, a half of a percent would be 500,000. So less than $500,000 of the 100 million is going to help animals. Now, you're going to have people who are going to argue with me. You know, they're going to say, well, when we, you know, pay these lawyers and these lobbyists to go and, and legislate, that's really helping the animals. But I'm not really sure that's what you as the donor for HSUS wanted them to do with your money. The Humane Society does not, is not affiliated with any of your local humane organizations, your animal control, your shelters, your, you know, the local humane society of Salem, wherever. They are not affiliated with that and they do not receive money. Now, HSUS does receive a lot of publicity whenever the local groups come in and, and shut down a puppy mill or save, you know, hundreds of cats from an animal hoarder. But it's only on a very rare occasion will HSUS actually give money to support those animals then. They'll come in and they'll do the rescue and they'll get the publicity, but they don't often give the money. And I actually contacted the, I think she is called the chief of new media or chief of social media for HSUS after we posted this story. And she said, oh, you know, Center for Consumer Freedom, they're, they're backed by the restaurant and tobacco industry and they're just terrible people. And I asked her, well, they've got your tax forms on the website. Tell me what's wrong. Give me some other information. And she couldn't. I never heard back from her. Now there's a new group out there. And again, it's a splinter off of the Center for Consumer Freedom called humanewatch.org. And this has just started. And um, they've really started getting into it and saying, you know, okay, we really need to start looking at HSUS and looking at the oversight and how much money Wayne Passell, who's the chief executive officer, makes. And, you know, they've gone in the last 10 years from a attorney or lawyer force of about three people to more than 30 attorneys for HSUS. That concerns me and bugs me a little bit. So my message to you is if you're thinking that you want to help out animals, the best thing you can do is donate locally. Look for your dog and cat rescues, you know, the purebred rescue if you like purebreds. Look for horse rescues. They're in desperate need of money right now, you know, and it's not only money. Think about blankets and toys and food. Think about those things that you might have around your home that you don't use anymore and they probably could use. Your newspapers, you know, a lot of shelters like to have newspapers on hand uh, for cages and stuff like that. So think locally. That's what I'm asking you to do. You can also find a um, fan page on Facebook called Think Local and it has to do with donating to your local animal shelters. So a lot of controversy here. I do want to hear from you. Give me a call. Or excuse me, you can't call me, but you can email me at tom at petliferadio.com or stop by petdocsoncall.com. We'd be very happy to hear from you. And uh, you can check in with our blogs and our forums. And a lot of these stories, of course, are there. We're going to be back in just a few weeks and talking about um, some of these less common breeds of cats. So you all take care. We'll see you back here and take care of those kitties. Bye-bye. Want to know what cats like to eat for breakfast? Mice Krispies, of course. Learn everything there is to know about cats on Catitude with your host, Tom Dock. Each week, we'll spotlight a cool cat breed, give up-to-date advice on cat health, and check out spiffy new cat products. So curl up on the couch every week for a perfectly enjoyable time on Catitude. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.